A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Hello listeners, this is Main Menu for the 15th of January 2016. I am your co-host Jason Castanguay. Our first guest on this week's program is Lisa Salinger, and I'll let Randy Rusnak tell you all about that. I will tell you, however, that it was more of a conversation than an interview, and we had a lot of fun jumping around from one topic to another. Also, this is the first of two parts because we ended up having such a lengthy and fun conversation. As our second guest, Janine Stanley will be visiting with us again to tell us all about the Google Chromecast. Take it away, Randy. Hello, main menu listeners and downloaders. This is Big R speaking. Today, we speak with Lisa Salinger. Now, for those of you who don't know Lisa, she has been on many podcasts. She works with the folks at Blind Alive. We caught up with her and talked to her about her experience with Windows 10. We talk about an application called Keystroke. We talk about the frustrations of accessibility, the successes of accessibility. We talk about Twitter. And here she is, our friend, Lisa Salinger. TW Blue, I just switched to it about three days ago, maybe a few more than that, but I was using the cube, but once I upgraded to Windows 10, I I just didn't have enough fingers, and uh, I had a modified set of keystroke commands, but the one to lock the keyboard was not working, so... It was, you know, four keys for every tweet, and so I just switched. The whole cube thing is sort of gone out the window then, right? Um, for me. <laughs> for me. Well, because I have carpal tunnel. My, right? It's mild, and I like to keep it that way. Uh-huh. Um, and so pressing, control, win, alt, and holding those down, that's not too bad if you have five tweets, but if you have five hundred, you know, yeah. oh yeah, it gets for it makes for a long, uh, long thing. And Nugget was using up too many resources, it seemed. And uh, I had heard good things about TW Blue really coming into its own. So mm-hmm. uh, there I am. All of us seem to be kind of in a Twitter bind right now, um, you know, because we're. We either are switching to Windows 10, uh, mm-hmm. or or if we're not, we're having problems, it seems like in all accounts, or most accounts anyway, of Twitter. So it's just really rough right now. I'm having a fair amount of dependability, really, with TW Blue. I mean, it's not perfect, but I like it pretty well. Um, it's very intuitive to at least for the most part, to know what's going on. Um, The only thing I don't like, if you shut down your computer at night, you know, and you restart it in the morning, um, you're at the top of your timeline. But then again, not many tweet marker services supposed to work. And I I don't find it really works that well. I was going to say I wish they would implement tweet marker support, but I'm not sure how much good that would actually yeah. do mm. well and i find too that i mean in the in the beginning twitter it was really easy to keep up with twitter but now there's just way too much to try to keep up with so i just uh, i finally created like a priority list of the people i most 
want to keep up with if I can. Apparently, and, uh, I'm not on that one. Yeah. Oh, actually, believe it or not, you are. <laughs> I don't know I what's do wrong that. with me. but yeah. I do that, too, but I try to read everything I follow. I'm starting to kind of judiciously and quietly unfollow a few people. I mean, I have some people who all they ever post is swarm check-ins, and it's like, mm. seriously, I don't need to know you just went from the grocery store to the super Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm having problems with uh, motivational quotes on and I mean, I don't mind a few of them, but when there's just like tons and tons of them, I just I, I can't keep up with them all. Uh, They're really funny because a bunch like a few judicious ones to me really are motivating, but too many. And it's like, yeah. just all of you go away. I mean, how much yes. help do do they think I need? Well, don't answer that question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> but anyway, welcome to Made Menu. <laughs> yes. Thank you. As you can see, uh, I have switched networks. We've we've all switched networks, it seems. We're totally yeah. doing something differently than we were a year ago. So it's a good thing. Definitely. Definitely. You're doing really good, it sounds like. So that's really good. And we'll talk about your further ventures later sounds like a good idea it's okay. keeping me busy and uh, i'm enjoying it keeping me off the streets good <laughs> yeah. yeah that's important it's keeping me out of the bars and you off the streets <laughs> <laughs> okay well let's talk about the state of twitter and how it how it uh, reacts with windows 10 now i'm assuming you're using windows 10 on all machines lisa just one or Couple well, or what's I put on? it on my laptop mm -hmm. first, yeah. thinking I can just kind of stick a toe in and get used to it. And that didn't really work out well for me because my laptop is my backup machine. And I had enough other stuff that I was doing that I would dip a toe in just long enough to say, oh, this is really different. And mm -hmm. so I know what works for me the best. And one fine day when I... Uh, temporarily took leave of my senses. I just installed it on my desktop as well. And overall, it's been a positive experience. So you're fully immersed in Yeah, I really that. am. I mean, there are some things that I don't like as well. I think part of it is that my desktop has gone from Win 7 to Win 8 to Win 8.1 and now to Win 10. And I think my desktop dearly wants a reformat for Christmas. Oh, I see. So sure. I'm having some little crashy things and inconsistencies, but I'm not really certain I can blame that on Windows 10. I've had it and used it long enough that I have seen some improvements. Either that or I've just gotten more familiar with the way things work. I've jumped exactly from Windows 7 to Windows 10 on the laptop. And I'm running an enterprise version of Windows, and um, on the laptop, it, it went very smoothly. On this desktop, I'm still running Windows 7, and that's because I haven't gotten notified, nor some say I will, some say I won't. The desktop never showed me any signs of updating, but the laptop did, and when I, uh, when I updated it, the first time it didn't work, the second time it did. So it's really kind of an iffy thing, jumping to Windows 10, but my experience with it has been really very positive and when I want to do some of the things into 10 and I'm on my 7 machine I find myself going god it's not as fast it's a little laggier than my laptop even and some of the things that I want to do I, I forget 
because I'm on seven. So I'm I'm kind of caught between the two right now. Mm. There are Windows Seven users who would love to trade places with you because I have some students who are saying, please just make the get Windows Ten notifications go away. Uh-huh. So there are many who would happily trade places with you, I'm sure. Well, I'd be curious to know what your general consensus is. Some people are still saying Windows 10 is not fully baked as far as accessibility, so wait before you upgrade. And other people are saying, no, it's about as baked as it's going to get, and it's a moving target, it's a changing thing. Go ahead and update. I have of course, my own thoughts on this, but I'd be curious to know what yours are. I'm happy I did it because I, I really wanted the experience. Um, and I'm I'm actually, myself, quite happy with it. Jason doesn't have these things to go through because he's a, a Mac user, so he's he's kind of getting a little bit of... I have a Windows laptop I can play with, though, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm starting to grow more and more curious. Mm -hmm. I like 10. I don't have a problem with it. As far as notifications go, mostly the notifications that I'm getting are, do you want to see more tips on uh, Windows 10? And I certainly can go and delete those, but they don't come in often enough to really bother me. And right. I, I can interact with notifications, so that doesn't bother me. That's nice. That's a lot easier, I think. Yeah. So All the sounds sound the same, though. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I've got to go in and do something because my user account control... I mean, I know they're a little different, but the user account control sound sounds more or less like the notification, sounds more mm -hmm. or less like the incoming email, and... Well, they're trying to get it prettied up, I think. I think they're trying to get it to sound more modern instead of more clunky. They're trying to get it to sound like, I don't know, the best... It's too pretty. It sounds like my pretty. dentist's office. <laughs> I, I know. It. Yeah. I know. I, I, I like slightly more decisive sounds. sounds. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I liked when you removed the USB something or other and it would, you know, like it was very, it wasn't ugly, but it was, it was decisive. This is, you know what this sound says to me? It's like, everybody's a winner. Everything's fine. Yeah. It's like, I bet it goes when your computer is like ready to blow up. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think that is my one thing I would change. And of course I know how to go in and change those sounds. I just haven't done it yet. That and Twitter, because I've ended up on that second view of the desktop trying to use traditional Twitter commands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I agree with you with the sounds. The notification sounds, they're, they're a lot different, though, than, than email for me. So, yeah, and I know how to go change the sounds, and it's it's really quite easy to do. But but again, I don't want my, my machine to sound like a Windows 7 machine either. I'm just trying to get used to them. I'm alerted pretty much. Uh, the The levels seem to be a little low, though. Not not for notifications, but but for mail. And um, they don't have to be high. They don't mean anything. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody emails me. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm getting lots of emails. We're recording this before Christmas, and oh yeah, if I see one more thing about two day shipping or act now, um, oh, yeah, God. lots. Yeah. Of I know. Lots of people email me. I have friends in in uh, high places, foreign countries, who call me dearest and want me to invest a lot of 
money oh. in things. So yeah, Matt, Matt you're a madam now. Then I'm right? a lot of things. Yeah, we just need <laughs> we need to hook you up with the right people. I think. Yeah, you're a madam, and I'm sir, and there's a lot of people that want my money too. So I've been dearest and my dear sister, and oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, well, it's a good thing you have all that money to give away to people. That's good. <laughs> the only thing is that the boot up time is a little slower for me because uh, the way I've got mine set up, I've got mine set up to go to my uh, Microsoft account. So, uh, you know, it wants that before it'll even boot to Windows, which, you know, can take a little bit longer. So, but it's okay. Yeah. I think people who have currently Windows 8 and 8.1 will really be glad. They upgraded. I think the biggest jump as far as a learning curve will be from those who are upgrading from Win 7, mm-hmm. but it's not that bad. It's not that painful. I've said to people in the last two, three weeks, you know, I really think you're okay to upgrade. You either need to contact someone for help or instruction, or you need to read up on some of these things. For example, Microsoft Edge is not going to work. Yep. Things that you have all mentioned before. That's yet. You know, <laughs> It's not going to work yet. Yes, so we're, exactly. We're all hopeful. <laughs> yes. But it looks like it's it'll, it'll happen at some point. Yeah, yeah. Make sure... What the heck's that? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Just another alert sound. It's okay. So yeah, you'll have something to look for, Jason. If you put your box on on Windows 10, yeah. then you have a play. And email is a problem too, right? No, um, not anymore. All depends. Oh. Uh, a little update on those of you who remember from one of the main menu shows that we did on Windows 10. Um, I have since switched to Thunderbird. Oh, okay. And that's taken care of every email issue. Um, that oh, okay, but the but the native Windows email still doesn't still work, doesn't right? work Correct. right. That's right. And I use Outlook 2016. I am finding some sluggishness, like speech will just stop dead in the water, and then I have to wait for things to catch up. But again, I don't know if that is Outlook 2016 or if that is just that my computer like i said it needs a sabbatical and a reformat now when you go to delete some piece of email does it go away really fast or is that acting sluggish as well no it's mostly when i am typing it's like the something doesn't keep up or if i'm copying text part of the text of one email Mm -hmm. into another one especially if it's a large portion of text it will just sit there, but I'd rather that than what I used to sometimes have, which was Outlook becoming unresponsive, and then not even starting it, you know, restarting it would help. I'd have to restart the whole computer, so uh, this is definitely the lesser of the two evils, But and I don't know which factor is causing the problem, but things are going well overall. I'm happy with the experience. Well, that's good. On Outlook 2010, it's... Not good. My mail still doesn't retrieve when it should, and deleting is really slow. So if I hit delete, I have to wait maybe two seconds at least before the next one follows. And that's it's. Oh wow! So that's why I switched to Thunderbird. I, I, I have such a good experience with Thunderbird right now. That's good. I miss Outlook in certain ways, you know, because there's certain things, you know, that I liked about Outlook. 
for instance, uh, attaching a message is just wonderful in Outlook. Oh, definitely. And uh, I miss that. But hopefully they'll get these ironed out. And, and when I do, I'll, I'll jump to 2016 at some point because, you know, to, to get on board for like nine, $9 a month or whatever it is is certainly, certainly good, I think. Yeah, I still have a physical copy of 2010, and that's what I'm using on my laptop. And that is kind of sluggish. Then again, as rarely as I turn it on, it's mm -hmm. processing all this information. I really find with laptops anyway, unless you're using brand new and and blazing fast, um, I find that a lot of my problems are solved by plugging in and turning on my laptop if I have the ability to do this about half an hour before I'm going to use it. Hmm. And that kind of gives it time to stew in its own juices, yeah. to, <laughs> mm -hmm. to update things and sync with things. And I think it's not so much that it's a laptop, but I think that's a good rule of thumb with any machine that you're not using maybe daily because it has more to update it's updating right. yeah. virus definitions and uh windows updates mm -hmm. and depending on what you've got g drive and OneDrive and dropbox and oh yeah yeah you know yeah. so many things that you know if you the minute you hear that screen reader if you start asking it to do things it's already doing things and it's gonna choke of mm -hmm. course i have google drive i love Google Drive. I think it's just great. Um, Jason and I have been using that quite a bit yeah. and using some of these other apps that go along with Google Drive. And, and there's so many things that do load up and that, that do take some time. So mostly here, I just leave the machines running. I don't usually shut any of them off. I do. I shut mine down at night. I think it's mostly habit. I really find that I like the fresh start yeah. in the morning. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's no scientific anything to back this up, but there are times when I will start my machine and I'm guessing that something maybe didn't start up as it should. Oh, I get that all the time. it comes up with, no yep. bad pun intended, a chip on its shoulder. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, before we're going any farther, we're going to reboot, we're going to readjust this attitude. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, there are the occasions that I leave it on overnight and I don't really do it for any kind of cost savings or anything because I've heard that really doesn't matter I just like the fresh start but mm -hmm. it's not it's not really consistent because I almost never turn off my iPhone and you would think what would be good for one would be good for the other and it's mm -hmm. it's not so I wonder sometimes how much of our computer use patterns are based on nothing more than our own human foibles well I do reboot my iPhone occasionally because I do have some some issues sometimes like yeah everything yeah. else uh, reboots I do reboot my PC more often than not and that's yeah. because things they don't they either lose focus or something doesn't read right or I unload my screen reader to load it back up because you know yes. so I think we're all having these issues as time marches forward and so. I kind of feel especially on the computer that if one open window is good, 9 or 10 or 20 are better. And so I think it's good for it just to clear everything. And, yes, I do I do reboot my iPhone, of course. Yeah. I just don't feel the same need I do with the computer to give it that nightly shutdown. Your Mac, Jason, you don't probably have some of these same issues because it's more integrated, right? I came from the Linux environment. I was using Linux for a long time, and that has a lot of 
uh, I mean, at the time anyway, it had a lot of server components. So sure. I was having fun setting up, you know, web services or FTP and things like that. And I had friends who might want to do stuff overnight. So I would leave it on and it was very stable no matter what happened. And uh, knowing that the Mac runs on top of a Linux environment, I... I guess it became habit. I just leave the the Mac running as well. And I, I have learned that there are um, jobs that perform overnight that help keep it clean and delete temp files and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, just kind of a habit. And I've talked to a few people that reboot before they go to bed. And then they have the fresh computer overnight updating and performing jobs and things. So... Lots of different ways to get it done, I think. What do you think your general opinion on how Twitter's acting on PCs in general now, Lisa? I think it's relatively okay. I've heard of people having trouble with this and that and timelines, and I really haven't that much, although uh, all my accounts sort of lost their minds the other day. There are two that I monitor regularly, and one of them was updating with all my stuff, but under the other account name. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, but everything else goes sideways sometimes, so why not Twitter? Now, with Windows 10, Twitter was a little different because I was using the cube and I couldn't continue to use those keystrokes because that brings up that other desktop. And so I did have a file that has modified keystrokes for the cube. And um, I was using that, but I had some problems. And one is I would just do a command without thinking, and it was the old style command, and so I would end up on another desktop. (laughs) Uh, And the other problem that I had was that... um, if I'm just reading tweets, you've got to press Control, Windows, and Alt, and then the arrow keys. Mm-hmm. And that's fine if you have five or ten tweets to read, but if you have two, three hundred or more, that can get to be a long process. You are either pressing or holding down four keys with each tweet, and... At least on my machine, I could not consistently lock the keyboard so that all I could press were the arrow keys. And so I have started using TW Blue, mm-hmm. and I used it a couple years ago. I tried it, and I didn't have any use for it, really. My lesson of the past two weeks, I really think if we are wise, we will look at what happens to us and why it happens and see if there are things that we can learn from it. And my lesson recently has been um, a very simple sounding one, and that is software changes. When I tried TW Blue a couple years ago, I was really not very impressed. Mm -hmm. And I tried it sort of out of desperation and because people whose opinions I respect said, this is really matured. And it's a lot better. And then I was looking at the keystroke software, 
which I believe we were going to talk yeah, about a will. bit. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it, and my first thought was, wow, this really needs significant work. And then in looking for the exact URL where I had gotten the software, I went there, and lo and behold, there was an update. And while there are still things I would change, the update really has added some improvements. So my lesson has kind of been don't discount software. You see this with iPhone apps. I have several iPhone students who I'll suggest a particular app and they'll say, oh, I tried using that app and I don't use it anymore because I really hate it or because it's not accessible. And they change and you change because an app that you might hate and might think is inaccessible, you just weren't ready for it yet. You didn't know enough yet to be able to use it. And now that you do, you might find it's your best friend, it's your best resource. Well, I find that when I am using an iPhone app, for instance, that the acceleration of updates is happening a lot more quickly than than it used to. Um, Sometimes you'll see it in a day or two or a few, you know, like a week or whatever. So things are really changing at an accelerated rate. I I'm yeah. really certain of it. Um, just I think it, this all-or-nothing mentality really frustrates people, though, mm-hmm. in their own learning. You know, yeah. because they say, "Oh, that app isn't accessible yeah. anymore. I deleted it from my phone. I'm so upset." Yeah. Well, hold on, hold on. You know, because in a week they may have fixed the mm-hmm. problem, or it may be that you've been flicking on your phone your whole life, and to borrow from the Android people, you need to learn a little bit of Explore by Exploring, Touch. yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. just as an example, I, um, a couple of weeks ago, I said on, on this show that um, I didn't care for Cortana. In fact, I, I really gave it a pretty bad rating on the, uh, on the iPhone. And they just came out with an update today to fix some accessibility issues. And we're talking on the 22nd of December, so, you know, things do change, and I guess right now I'm not going to say whether I like it <laughs> any better or not. Because that could change again. <laughs> <'Cause they> could, <laughs> no, I will say it. I, I mean, I will say definitely they have made some improvements, and, and yet they have some some to go, I feel. Um, I certainly wouldn't use it over Siri, because I think right now that, um, well, I, I think Google and I think Siri is, is a lot better than Cortana is right now. But like you say, it could change in the next week or two. So mm-hmm. everything's growing. For me, uh, when I was loading the Cube onto my Windows 10 machine, well, actually, it was already there. It won't work. For me, it just, and, and I said this before um, on this show, that for me, it doesn't work. It's that this software will not run on Windows 10. So what did you do to correct it, or did you do anything? Because the last snapshot I saw of it um, was, uh, I think, uh, June of this year, June of 2015. I think that's right. I have a file that was written that is a set of modified keystrokes, and you have to copy that somewhere, and I think that's all I did. I forget the particulars. I just followed the instructions and Mm -hmm. copied it, and it did work for me. Wow. It won't even load for me. It just won't run. Well, when you run the cube in general, Mm -hmm. how did you run it? 
I just ran it. You I just, pressed enter on it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. For some reason, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. I always had to either use Shift F10 or the context menu key and choose Run as Administrator. Weird. I've always had to do that. And I know of other people who have as well. And I'll bet you that if you try that, now your uh, keyboard commands won't work well. Mm-hmm. But I bet if you chose Run as Administrator, it would work. Okay, for you. I'll give it a shot. And thanks for those of uh, you out there that are listening that are having problems with the same thing that I am. Give it a shot and we'll see how it works. I switched away from it. I I did find it a little confusing because not everything, at least, and you you can make your own modifications. You don't have to use theirs. But in the modified file that I have, um, in some cases you had to use all three of the keys to the left of your space bar. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, you could use, like if it was the Windows and the Alt key, you could still use that keyboard command sequence. Mm-hmm. So it was a little frustrating, like which ones work in what settings. But for me, it was more about, I have, like I said before, I think I have mild carpal tunnel syndrome. And I like to keep it, mild and not getting any worse Mm -hmm. and for me I did feel some soreness in my hands and my wrists after holding those three keys down for long periods of time when reading tweets I still have the cube on my computer and I've used it when I want to do things like um I think they call it an analysis of your social network where you can find out, for example, who is following you that you are not following. Uh, That is something unique to the cube. And I really think it's about having and using a variety of tools. You were talking on a previous edition about using various screen readers. Oh, you have listened. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, and it's also a philosophy I... This concludes part one of our conversation with Lisa Salinger. Tune in next week for part two. Next up, here's Janine Stanley with a product review. Hi, everyone. This is Janine Stanley, and today I'm going to talk about a little device that I decided to purchase and all of the good and bad points of this little device. It is called the Chromecast Audio dongle and I don't know if dongle is the correct name for it but it is actually a a small bluetooth dongle type device that plugs into your speakers your radio your stereo anything with an auxiliary output and it allows you to listen to audio from your smartphone and be able to pass it through to those speakers a couple cautionary things before we get started the chromecast audio device is made by Google, of course, being Chromecast. And so when you look at buying one of these devices to be able to stream audio to another device or speakers or whatever you want to stream audio to from your phone, you really have to look at how you're going to do this. What kind of audio do you want to stream? Do you want to stream, say, your uh, favorite internet radio stations via something like TuneIn Radio? Do you want to stream music via Apple Music or Google Play Music? What do you want to do? And that's probably the biggest thing that was confusing to me when looking at these different types of dongles, because there are different types out there. 
Another thing to consider if you are buying one of these devices or having somebody buy one for you as a gift is what kind of information are you going to use it for beyond the programs that you're going to use. There are two different models of the Chromecast. There is the Chromecast Audio and the Chromecast Video. The Chromecast Audio only works with streaming audio. The video works with both audio and visual, but there has to be a visual there. So for example, if you are watching music videos on YouTube on your iPhone and you want to stream those to better speakers, or let's say you're watching them on your iPad, which is probably more likely, you want to stream them to better speakers. You're going to need the Chromecast video because there is video involved there. So it, think of it this way. Anytime there is video involved in something, TV, anything like that, you're going to want the Chromecast video. If there's audio only, like a radio station or your music, then you can use the Chromecast audio. One of the things that it stated in the information about the Chromecast audio was that it works with iPhones and iPads and iPods. This is true to a point. <laughs> um, and this is where I got in trouble. So this is why I warn you. If you are someone who really likes your Apple Music and plays most of your music that way, maybe you don't have a lot of music on your device, but you have it in Apple Music, you have a subscription, you've set up playlists, that's how you like to play your audio, you like listening to uh, Apple radio stations through Apple Music, etc. This is not the device for you because Chromecast Audio and Apple Music do not work together yet. We can hope, we can look toward the future and bug Apple and bug Google and ask them to please make it work, but right now it doesn't. It does work beautifully, however, with the Google Play Music system. So if you like that system, you've come up through that system, maybe you have a lot of music stored in your Google account. I believe it allows you to store 20,000 songs, um, and that can be your music, that can be music that you purchase from Google, etc you can certainly do that. Well, I bought the Chromecast Audio, much to the chagrin of my husband, because we were going to get two different kinds and see what they did, and I still may do that. But I bought the Chromecast Audio, and I got two of them and set one up, and I'll tell you a little bit about the device. First of all, Chromecast is the brand name of these little dongle devices, and a dongle is just anything that hooks into the USB port of your computer or uh, into a port of your computer in order to give it more functionality with another device and allow it to connect up to another device. So it's a freestanding little thing. And I have the box here of the second one. It's a little box, and it. Um, uh, when I got it, I said, oh my gosh, this looks, I mean, it's a little case kind of box, but it looks like the size of an old Big Mac box. <laughs> so it's sort of a clamshell box. I'll open it up here. And when you open it, the box, and I have this laying on my lap with the little handle of the box facing away from me. So when you do that, on the left side, you're going to find a round circular bit. And there's a hole in the middle of that. Get your finger under that hole and lift up. And sometimes it doesn't come off very easily, so sometimes you actually have to get your fingers into it. Yeah, this one's not coming up very easily. Okay, so I got that up. Underneath that circular part on the left side is a little round disc, and this is maybe, an, oh, two inches in diameter maybe, if that. 
and if you feel it's a flat disc it's maybe about oh a quarter inch thick maybe if that um, it has on one side an edge like a little record and in fact it actually physically looks like a little record and it has in the middle this raised design of three kind of spirally lines so that's the side that we're going to have facing up the other side is just plain it doesn't really have any tactile kind of indications or anything on it so with the record side up and this little disc looking record thing we're going to explore around the edge of the device there are three things that you'll want to know about around the edge of this device one is a small round hole that is for your audio jack the other, as you and I'm going to move clockwise, so I have this little round hole at 12 o'clock now, and I'm going to move around the edge clockwise of the device. And the next thing I'm going to come to is the USB port. And this is a, a mini USB cable, standard um, USB cable for this thing, which we will find here in a moment in the box. So if you're holding this the little round record in your hand and you have the audio jack hole at 12 o'clock, the USB hole is going to be at 6 o'clock, and then at 7 o'clock, right around to the left there, is the on-off switch. And that is a little button that pushes in. I'm sure there's probably a light on that. I haven't tested it with a light probe yet. I'm just going to lay that down here on the counter, and now I'm going to go to the right side of my little clamshell box here. And in it, we have a USB cable, standard USB. It's got the two little dots on the small end that go into the device. So you've seen different types of USB cables. This one is one of those with the two little dots you can feel on the very end of the cable that goes into the device. And on the other end, there is a USB to AC adapter. And you can pull this out. I just pulled it apart here. The plug is kind of big. I don't know if this has to be plugged into this plug, so if you lose the plug, you're, you're out of luck. Um, I'm sure you can probably plug it into a standard USB to uh, AC adapter. It also comes with a handy little Velcro strap to keep the cable in place, which is a good thing. I'm going to unstrap mine, and when you unstrap it, there's another little piece of amazing Apple-like cellophane here that you just unwrap that's also on the cord because mine is going to be stretched across the room unfortunately so let's throw all my box contents on the floor here i'm going to plug the usb into the dongle and we just grab the little record and we place it so that the two little dots are facing up if we're holding the record in our hand being able to feel the grooves of the record facing the ceiling in our palm and then the two little dots go up as well. USB clicks right in. So now that's ready to go. Now, the next thing you're gonna need is an audio cable. This does not come with, you know, this is that batteries not included thing. This does not come with the Chromecast. So you're going to need an audio cable. And this is just your standard uh, 3.5 mini audio jack. The Chromecast audio comes with a power cord that's fairly long. It looks like it might be a, uh, Oh, at least a four-foot cable. I don't probably a meter cable. It's a pretty long USB cable here. So you're going to have a fair amount of room if your plug is far away from your speakers or something like that. So now we're going to be using an app to set up and control our Chromecast device. And that app is part of the App Store, of course, and it is free. It is called Chromecast, C-H-R-O-M-C-A-S-T. 
and I have downloaded it and we are going to bring it up. Let me wake up my phone here. I am using an iPhone 6s and it is running the latest version uh, 9.2 of iOS and I have just locked it so let me go ahead and unlock it. Saturday, January 2nd, 10.41 a.m. Hey Siri, open Chromecast. You'll need to unlock your iPhone first. Excuse me. There we go. Okay. Horizon Network, Chromecast. Find more. Button. Main menu. Button. Okay, so on the Chromecast screen, I'm going to explore this screen like I pretty much do every screen that I come to. I'm going to start in the upper left corner. And luckily, this is a screen where you don't have to tap around. You can actually swipe and find everything you need. So when this comes up, um, initially the very first time you load it, you're going to get a little tutorial and, and a series of things that will have a next button in the lower right corner. Once you work through all that, this is the screen you're going to get. Main menu, button, microphone, button. The microphone is for searching, so you can search things by voice once you get everything set up. Search movies and shows, text field, double tap to edit. Of course, there's your edit field for typing in the text version. Selected. What's on? Button. Devices. Button. Get apps. Button. Find more. Button. Open an app to cast. Google Play Music. NPR One. Pandora. Tune in radio. Tune in radio. And that's it. That's all. So you see there are the apps that I have that are available to cast from. But let's go back up to devices because this is what we're going to need in order to get our Chromecast device set up. The radio that I am plugging this into is actually a radio that's got an auxiliary power on it, and it's called the Gozo. It is an analog dial radio, and it's a great little radio. And as you'll hopefully hear, it has fairly good sound. So now I'm in the app. I have my Chromecast device plugged in, and oh yes, I need to hit the button and turn it on. We'll go in and double tap on devices. Tune in radio. Pandora and Google Play. Open an app to find more. Button. Get apps. Button. Devices. Button. Selected. Devices. Now I've slowed our speech down a little so that you'll be able to understand all the screens that come up here. We'll start in the upper left corner. Main menu. But microphone. Search movies and show. What's on? Selected. Devices. Get apps. Chromecast. Need setup. Chromecast Audio 3676. Heading. Need setup. Set up. Button. Ignore. Button. More options. Button. Now, I'm not sure what the more options mean, but we're going to go right to setup. Ignore. Set up. Button. Back. Button. Set up Chromecast. Let's set up your Chromecast. You'll be casting your favorite stuff in no time. Next. Button. Next. Button. And we'll hit the next button. Back. Button. Set up Chromecast Audio 3676. Heading. We are about to play a sound to test your Chromecast audio. Make sure your speakers are turned on and not muted. Play test sound. Button. Now I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear this across the room, but we'll try it. Back. Button. Set up Chromecast Audio 3676. Okay, hopefully you did hear that. It was fairly loud. And we're going to go back up to the top of this screen. Back. Button. Set up Chromecast Audio 3607. Did you hear the sound through your speakers? Play sound image. Button. Tap to play again. But I heard IT. Button. I didn't hear IT. 
I didn't hear IT. I heard IT. Okay, so button. we heard it. And... Back. Button. Select country. Select your region. United States. Button. Next. Button. Next. And up to the top left. Chromecast name. Heading. Now it wants you to name the Chromecast, and you can have a million of these little things around your house. So we're going to call this one Main Menu. So let's do that. Pick a name to identify your Chromecast. Enter a name. Text field is editing. Character mode. Insertion point at start. Done. Next screen. Chromecast name. Heading. Pick a name to identify your Chromecast. Enter a name. Main menu Chromecast audio 3676. Text field. Example, living room. Enable guest mode. On. Button. This allows compatible devices in the same room to cast without being on your Wi-Fi network. It uses a combination of your Chromecast's location and Wi-Fi to find nearby devices. Send Chromecast usage data and crash reports to Google. On. Button. I prefer to leave that on. That's up to you. Next. Button. Next. Alert. No biggie, but your Chromecast name is too long. Heading. Aha. Now you've heard what it said. Our Chromecast name is too long. And that's because they put that Chromecast number. They leave that in the edit field. I did not know that. So we're going to go back and delete that. It can't be longer than 24 characters. Okay. Button. Okay. This allows compatible devices in the same room to cast without being on your... Okay, so now we're going to go back up to the top of that. It takes you back to the previous page. We'll go back up to the top back. here. Button. And Chromecast. Pick a name. name to identify your... Enter a name. Main menu. Chromecast. Audio 3676. Main menu. Inst done. There we go. Done. Next. Button. Alrighty. Now we're on the next screen. Let's see. Back. Button. Chromecast name. Heading. Pick a name to identify your Chromecast. Enter a name. Main menu. That is just a repeat of the page that we were on, so we're going to swipe down here to next. Send Chrome. Next. Next. Button. Back. Button. Wi-Fi network. And here we go for our Wi-Fi network. And these do need to be on Wi-Fi, so we will just put our Wi-Fi information in and come back. Back. Button. Wi-Fi network. Heading. Select the network for main menu. Choose a Wi-Fi net MAC address A4. Set up button. Set up MAC. Choose a Wi-Fi network button. Choose a Wi-Fi net alert. Select network. Netgear 86. Netgear 86-5G. Netgear 86-5-back button. Wi-Fi network heading. Select the network for main menu. Netgear 86-5. Enter your Wi-Fi password. Secure. Text field. And of course, this section is your standard Wi-Fi setup for anything that uses Wi-Fi. You're going to pick your network, and then you're going to put in your Wi-Fi password. So here I go. Done. Back. Button. Back. Button. Wi-Fi network. Heading. Select the network for main menu. Netgear 86-5G. Button. Enter your Wi-Fi password. 14 characters. Secure. Text field. Show password. Off. And there you have the option to show or hide your password. I'll leave that off. MAC address A47733F574. Set up button. Okay, now we're going to double tap to set up. Set up. Setting up main menu. And let's explore this screen and see what's on here. To a Setting up main menu. 
Main menu is connecting to Netgear 86-5G. Main menu is connecting to Netgear 86-5G. Okay, and... Fetching we'll... update. Ah, fetching update. Very good. Now that Video. you've set up your Chromecast audio, Double tap let's to get toggle started. Controls. Grab your iPhone, iPad, Android phone, or tablet. A laptop works too. Connect to Wi-Fi. Open a cast-enabled audio app. Pick a song, station, or playlist. And then, simply press the cast button. Anyone on the same network can cast without additional pairing. You can use your phone to browse playlists, skip to the next track, or adjust the volume from anywhere in your home. If you have more than one Chromecast Audio, you can group them together to play the same song throughout your house. And once you've got the music playing, you can use your phone for anything you want, like answering a phone call without disrupting the music. To learn more, visit Chromecast.com slash learn. And there's the little promotional video that you're going to have to sit through. So let's go back up to the top of the screen. Control what's playing, applying, applying update. And right now, this is applying an update. Control what's playing. Play, pause and control volume right from the apps on your phone. Page three of three, adjustable. Play, pause and control volume right from the apps on your phone. So this is page three of three. Page three of continue, button, continue, button. There's our continue button. I'm just gonna go ahead and double tap that. Continue. You're ready to cast. Open one of your cast-enabled music apps and tap the cast button. Now, the cast button on these apps looks very different from app to app, and I'll show you that here in a minute. Browse your cast apps. Button. Aha! Now, you're probably wondering, well, what do I have on my phone that I can already cast with? And it's possible that you may not have anything on your phone that will work with Chromecast yet. But the good news is that there are two apps in particular that are really good, well three actually, that are quite good that you can cast from fairly quickly. And those are Pandora, TuneIn Radio, and NPR One. Browse your cast apps. Button. So let's take a look at my cast apps, for example. Main menu. Button. Oh, and look, we're back to that front page. Microphone. Search movies and shows. Selected. What's on? Button. Devices. Button. Get apps. Button. Find more. Button. Open an app to cast. Google Play Music. Here's Google Play Music. And just a note about Google Play Music. I prefer the Apple Music system because that's what I learned first. It's sort of like JAWS and Window Eyes and NVDA. Whatever you learn first, you're probably going to be more comfortable with. I haven't played a lot with Google Music yet. Um, I'm sure that it's very usable. I know tons of people who use it and love it. I'm not one of them at this point. Um, I'm an Apple Music person. Not that Apple Music is the greatest, but I happen to understand it at this point. So um, I will leave it up to somebody else to give you the tour of Google Music. But we'll move on from there. NPR One. NPR One, fantastic app, but I'll show you a little secret about that cast button because it's kind of hard to find. Pandora. Tune in radio. Tune in radio. Okay, well, let's go to, let's say, NPR One. 
Hey Siri, open NPR One. NPR One. Search program. Public media. This is NPR One. This is N. Okay, we're going to mute that. NPR One is a free app, and it is fantastic. Actually, if you like NPR, you can skip stories, etc. It theoretically learns from what you listen to, the kinds of things that you like, and suggests stories that would be ones that you might like. You can also search for different NPR podcasts and things like that through the app. So that's a whole other review. However, let's go from the top down and take a look at this app and just see here what we're looking at. Search programs. Button. Now playing. Heading. User profile. Button. Altec considered. Altec considered. This part of the screen is a list of the programs that you can choose from right now. Things that are up and playing right now or things you can choose from. I'm going to go to the bottom right corner of the screen to make this a little bit shorter so we get down to the play area. Skip button. There's our skip button and I'm going to swipe left. Play button. Rewind button. Dimmed. NPR Bullet Friday. Encore. One hour phone cheddar. Found recipes. Okay, so I don't see a cast button there. Do you? No, unfortunately not. But let's skip and we'll go into a story and then we'll pause everything and I'll show you the cast button. Skip button. Skip. Pause. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. That big Play. Okay, and I'm going to swipe left. Rewind. Button. Icon cast identified. Button. Ah, cast identified. That's what you want to look for in NPR One. That button is going to have different text associated with it in just about every app. But here it is in NPR One. Icon closed. So we've double tapped on that. And now our screen connect to dimmed is asking us which one of my casts I want to connect to. How Stanley. My first cast is called House Stanley, and that's out in the living room. So if I were to double tap on that, my Bose radio out in the living room, my Bose speakers would go off. Main menu. Main menu. Let's do main menu. Double tap. Main. Now playing. Search programs. You heard that little sound? The winter flood is easing in St. Louis. The St. Louis County Executive is lifting the state. And there it is playing through my Gozo radio in my office. Let's mute that. And for some reason, the pause button is not labeled on that screen. I have no idea why. That was strange. But so that is NPR One. Now let's go to Pandora. Hey Siri, open Pandora. Pandora, in progress. Okay, here we go. My husband likes klezmer music, so you're going to get some nice klezmer music, Chromecast, over to my speaker. I'm going to go down to the bottom right corner of the Pandora screen. Skip button. And swipe left. Double pause button. Thumbs up. But thumbs down. Progress. Three time remaining. Time lapsed. Banner ad. Dismiss ad. Features of this track. No bio available. About the klezmer. Station personalization. Title. Back arrow. Back arrow. Title. Station personalization. Button. Station album cover. Image. Album art cover. Button. Current track album art. Image. Chromecast. Button. Double tapping this connect to the nearest Chromecast device. 
Now notice how I had to swipe back and forth all the way from the bottom right of the screen up to the top left and back to find that Chromecast. You can also tap around to find it, but it's a little hard to find on that screen, so we're just going to double tap. Title. Done. Title. Connect. Done. How's Stanley? Chromecast audio. And as we're swiping down, you see this looks a little bit different from the NPR Chromecast screen, but we have our two Chromecasts here. Main menu. Main Chromecast menu. audio. So we'll double tap on that. Select it. Back arrow. Double tapping this navigates you to previous screen. And there's our happy klezmer music. <laughs> Alrighty, let's kill that. Current track album name. Or to the world. Skip. Button. Pause. Button. Pause. So those are two of the apps. So what you need to know about apps that have a Chromecast button is that you want to search the screen for that button and it may have a different name in different apps. So you see how relatively easy this is to do. Now I am hoping to get another one of these devices that will in fact work with Apple Music. And once I get that, I'll do a little review on that for you as well. But these things are really easy to set up and I have not tried connecting them together from room to room yet. But uh, that may be another thing that we try here. So any input that you have, any other questions that you might have, please feel free. My email is Janine MS, that's J-E-N-I-N-E, -E, M as in Mary, S as in Sam, at W-O-W-W-A-Y dot com. I did not know there was an audio-only version of the Google Chromecast, so I think that's nice because it allows one to get in on it if they wish, without the video component. Main Menu is a weekly program sponsored by ACB Radio and the American Council of the Blind. More information, including scheduling and a podcast subscription link, are available at mainmenu.acbradio.org. If you'd like to provide us with feedback, feel free to send email to mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can listen each week beginning Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream or by using the ACB Link app. You can listen by phone also. Call 605-475-8130. We're on Twitter also. Follow us at Main Menu. We hope you enjoyed this week's show. We'll be back next week with Part 2 with Lisa Salinger and some more good stuff. Thanks for listening. Thank you.